It's so common for us to think that we have anxiety. I mean, it's there's memes about it, we talk about it, we openly discuss mental health now more than ever, but anxiety is still being used as a crutch for so many of us, myself included, I've caught myself, but I wanna talk about anxiety and your fitness goals. So I brought in Laura Harrison, who is an LPC out in Dallas. Now, she talks about how to identify anxiety, how to work through it, and how to use it to your advantage to crush your goals. Hey y'all, I'm Taylor DeHaze. I'm obsessed with all things fitness and business. I left my career as a TV reporter after 10 years to start my own fitness coaching company. I was so tired of seeing people struggle with disordered eating and misguided weight loss information. Think of this as your one-stop shop for training, nutrition, and success while navigating through life. Grab a cup of coffee, get cozy, and get ready to learn and laugh. Again, welcome to the Tailored Living Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Good morning, Laura. Happy vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. It's beautiful here. It's actually kind of overcast, but we're enjoying it. And where are you at right now? Uh, We are on the Bolivar Peninsula down on the coast, the Gulf Coast in Texas, Uh, just kind of hanging out here with uh, six of my girlfriends. We do it every year and just a little get away from reality for a while. And and are you sure you want to talk about anxiety right now? <laughs> well, I talk about anxiety a lot, so it's fine. <laughs> so, you know, kind of before we started this recording, I was telling Laura that I feel like anxiety is mainstream in a way, and I don't mean that um, to offend anybody, but, it, it, you know, there's so many memes about anxiety. I joke about my anxiety sometimes, but it is a very – real thing and and something that should be taken very seriously and it goes hand in hand with dieting training all of that because I really do believe a healthy body starts with a healthy mind so oftentimes I will get people that claim they can't stick to a diet they get stressed out when they do Instagram comparisons they are just always stressed about something going on and it ends up breaking them from a good habit or bringing up poor habits that they thought they broke, X, Y, Z. So um, first of all, can you kind of just tell me truly what anxiety is? Yeah, well, anxiety is, usually people would define it as a feeling. And a lot of times I talk to people about where they feel their anxiety in their body. Um, but usually what I, what I like to have people kind of reframe that as anxiety is really kind of a warning sign for us that something isn't right, that there's something going on the way we're thinking or the way we're feeling or something that's happened in our past that is coming up and causing us to feel anxious. And, you know, people describe that in a lot of different ways, whether it's like, I just get sick to my stomach, I just feel uncomfortable. And getting in tune with your anxiety can be a really helpful thing for a lot of people um, as they really try to, like, become more aware of what's going on and, and deal with anxiety. So that's kind of how I like to frame it for my clients is, like, think about how you feel anxiety and what what is going on in your body because your body really is a good way to indicate um, how you are dealing with the world. I agree. And you say a feeling and, and for me, it ends up being like my palms get sweaty, my jaw gets tighter. I touch myself like clenching my jaw. 
Um, I have nervous habits where I just like have to like, I'll either make another cup of coffee. Like, so there's just certain things that I do and I can tell that it's the anxiety in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I want to relate this to, to like nutrition clients because where I see anxiety creep up and I know that you're not an expert necessarily in, you know, disordered eating patterns, but specifically when I have a client who struggles with binge eating or, or under eating or whatever it happens to be and um, fixing the root of that problem, right? So mm-hmm. do you have anyone with your practice that's come in and, and struggles with any kind of like disordered eating or has taken their anxiety out on their food or nutrition, um, something like that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's very, very common with clients to um, put their anxiety into food because it's something that we've been conditioned to do, right? I mean, from a very young age, food has been a comfort source. And when you're anxious, what you want to do is find a comfort source. And for some people, it's food. For some people, it's alcohol. For some people, it's exercise. I mean, it can can be a lot of different things. But what – what I try to like work with my clients on is like looking at what are you using to satisfy your anxiety? What, what kind of uh, coping mechanism are you using to bring your anxiety down? And is it healthy? Is it something that's bringing you peace or does that just continue to cycle and create more anxiety? And that's usually what you find when you see people turning to things like drugs or alcohol or food to try to cope with their anxiety. Right. And, and, you know, food is something that you can control, essentially. So while people might find comfort in eating more, some people might find comfort in eating less. But either yeah. of those scenarios really does result in the restriction cycle and the all or nothing mentality. And then typically the next day you get mad at yourself for doing that and thus anxiety spins again, right? So I want yeah. to talk about, you know, how to own up to your anxiety, understand it, dissect it, and then, um, you know, maybe have some breakthrough moments instead of falling back into bad habits. So um, one of the things that I believe is, is pretty important is just to kind of own up to it, right? And maybe talk to somebody like yourself or a friend or whatever. But I think that just bringing it out into the, uh, the universe is, is kind of a good step one. Yeah, and I think I think reframing your anxiety and understanding the, that it is a warning light and it's not something that's just happening to you, that you do have, like like you said, I like what you said about control. Like they turn to the coping mechanisms because it feels like it gives them control. Whether it's restricting or binging, it feels like I have more control. But basically what you're doing is you're giving control to the food. You're giving control to whatever coping mechanism you're using instead of becoming more intentional about what you're actually thinking and feeling. And so that's one of the things that it's important to kind of change the mindset a little bit. And instead of seeing anxiety as a bad thing, see it as like, oh, okay, I need to become more self-aware here. I need to take a pause here. And like you had talked about the body, um, how you feel it in your body and how you feel it in your palms, becoming more aware of when that starts can be a huge indicator to helping you build awareness and dealing with anxiety. So a lot of times when I first start to deal with clients, I just talk about awareness. I'm like, let's just let's just start log when you have anxiety and what's going on at that time. What's happening before? What's happening during? What's happening after? And don't change anything that you're doing, 
let's just become more aware. And as they do that, they start to see those patterns. Like you said, it's a pattern, and it's a reinforcing pattern that you get yourself in with anxiety. And as you start to break that down, it changes. Well, that's actually how I, you know, same but different, right? That's how I work with my clients who struggle with uh, untracked meals. Mm-hmm. maybe it's somebody who doesn't necessarily have a binge eating problem. You know, people often ask, well, what does it mean? You know, I binge eat sometimes. Do I have a binge eating disorder? And, and technically, if you a binge eating disorder is when you binge at least once a week uncontrollably. That is technically a binge eating disorder. Now, mm-hmm. intentionally overeating sometimes, that's different. We all overindulge at times and feel like, you know, we have the food baby and all that kind of stuff. But when I get a client who goes out to dinner and they only have two options, one is they get the safe salad or the safe piece of grilled whatever. And then the other option is they just say, F it, I'm going to get everything I want plus dessert plus an appetizer. And then they go home and they can't stop, right? Those are the two Mm -hmm. options. So finding a way to reach them in the middle where they can still have what they want, but not feel like they're holding back. So I have them document how they feel going into the meal, what they order, how they react, and then how they feel when they get home, right? Because anxiety surrounds that entire situation. And I say the same thing you do. I don't want you to change anything. And typically when I get a client who struggles, I just, I don't give them any guidelines. I just say, hey, we're going to have an untracked meal. And then if I realize that there's you know, some struggles, I might say, okay, this time I want you to have one entree and I want you to pick either having an alcoholic beverage or have dessert, right? But not both. Mm -hmm. And that way they kind of learn by me giving them the freedom to do that, that they have like the peace of mind and knowing they can do that. Then they start to associate, you know, their pasta date night with happiness, not anxiety. And thus that becomes the new habit, the new pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm wondering what you've talked to your clients about who may have struggled with either the binge or restrict or the all or nothing mentality and kind of how you might coach them through certain uh, bad patterns. Yeah, and, I, and I, what we do a lot is um, really look at the thoughts and the feelings that are behind the action because your thoughts and feelings always reinforce your actions. What you think and what you feel creates how you behave. And so when you start to, like, notice that you'll notice the behavior first. You notice the binge eating first. And when you pull back and look at the thought, a lot of times the thought is, I'm never going to succeed. I'm not going to be good enough. I can't do this on my own. Those are a lot of times the thoughts that are coming behind that type of binge eating, that I can't be enough. Um, and so working through that, so those self-esteem issues with clients, which can be some really long work because those patterns have been established over 10 to, 10 to 20, 30 years sometimes, sometimes even more. And to break that pattern is going to take some significant effort for a client. And I think that sometimes can be a sticking point too is they, they get stuck on the, I need this to change right away. And this is a slow process that takes deliberate effort and intentionality to change. And I think that can be hard for some people to accept. Yeah, you know, if I get a if I get a client like that who struggles with binge eating or restricting or whatever, I, I always have to say, you know, you, you've got to give yourself some grace. There Absolutely. is not going to be perfection. Um, you cannot go from somebody who binge eats and can't keep ice cream in your pantry to all of a sudden like you're binge free eating ice cream in your macros perfectly. That's not how that works. You are going to binge again. The goal, though, is instead of three times a week, 
can we maybe binge once a week and then once every two weeks and then once a month and then ultimately that kind of dissipates over time but that could take years to work towards um, oh, absolutely but you're right I think you know understanding the problem step one and then you know I kind of talked about breaking down the problem into manageable tasks right mm -hmm. so um, something that I see a lot of anxiety stem from is if somebody comes to me and you know I've been guilty of this long long ago but you know you want to lose weight or you want to build muscle or whatever it is and instead of you know saying what's very you know unglamorous and not sexy give me you know a year of your life or so to change um, you know they want the quick fix results now and that's why the three-day cleanses are you know sellers on Instagram and the herbalite and all of that stuff right because they mm -hmm. promise those fast results but you know if you know that you want to lose 50 pounds right that's awesome however what do we need to do first and second and third before we get there and like step one is going to be well how did you get to this point that you need to lose 50 pounds we've got to work on your diet and your habits not even like it's not even the workouts it's not any of that it's like we've got to figure out foundationally what is cracked and what can we fix right and i think that yeah. Um, that is something that can create anxiety and lead to that self-sabotaging mentality of like, oh my God, I'm just never going to get there. So what about, you know, when you're dealing with clients that maybe have, you know, ambitions of making more money, advancing in their career, starting a family, maybe there's somebody that is 35 and still not married and has anxiety about being behind in life. I mean, I feel like all of those situations are very common. How do you calm them down and, and break those problems down into like manageable tasks. Yeah, and that's that's one thing that's nice about about when you're able to develop a long-standing relationship, and I'm sure that you've noticed this as well, that you can go back and look at, at progress they've made over time because as a coach or as a therapist, sometimes you see it way more clearly than they do because you've seen the change. You can hear the change in the way they're talking, the way that they're presenting, and as you start to see those changes, pointing out, I mean, like I take notes in my sessions and I'll go back and say, you know, three months ago you were saying this to me and now you're saying this. And I'll write those phrases on the board and say, look at the difference in the mindset that you've created in yourself. This is what you've been able to do in the last two months, the last three months, to change that mindset. And you can do that. You can continue to move forward and change these other mindsets that you're struggling with. And I think that's the, that's the beauty of therapy and, 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 of, and coaching as well, is that you can see those mindset changes in your clients over time and that's what's going to make the difference for them long term. When they do make that change, that's when it starts to stick. But they don't necessarily see it for themselves until it's pointed out for them from an outside source. Now, do you do you help create strategies for your clients on overcoming um, these bigger obstacles, or like how do you help them? overcome anxiety and work towards healthier habits obviously we've talked about identifying the problem and then you know breaking the problem down into what they can manage um what's next after that right yeah i think i think really what it comes down to is teaching the client how to do it for themselves to identify and work through that anxiety for themselves and giving them the skills that they need and for some people you know it's simply as as easy as teaching them how to identify those body cues and learn how to withdraw from a situation and take a break and recenter. And for some other people, this is, this is something that it's like 
Sometimes they need to go see a psychiatrist. Sometimes they need medication to help them bring that anxiety level down because a lot of times they're just like, they're like just nose underwater. Like they can see and they can, they can operate, but they're just barely keeping their nose under above water because they don't have the, have the medication that they might need to help them with that. Not everybody needs medication, but it's something when you might need that if you, if you are really struggling with panic attacks and things like that. But for my clients, a lot of times what we're doing is building a strategy that teaches them how to handle their anxiety on their own, to give them the skills and give them um, detailed um, coping skills that they know how to fall back on and use, like breathing techniques, like journaling, like how to run through a, a, a um, CBD um, circle, which is basically like looking at the thought, the behavior, and the feelings, and how all those impact each other, and learning to do it on their own, because they don't want to be in therapy forever, and they need to be able to learn to do the skills on their own. So that's a lot of what it is. I agree. Yeah, no, totally. Um, you know, and just over time, you know, you start to, once you identify what causes your anxiety, I just feel like you have so much more in, like, you're, you're in so much more control of just working through it, right? And and I Absolutely. do think to some extent, I don't mean to, you know, sound, sound negative, but, you know, as somebody who has overcome an eating disorder um, and has worked through that and as somebody who just naturally is high anxiety, you know, I still catch myself sometimes falling into those habits that I've spent 15 years overcoming, Um, You know, like there are times and it's always triggered by uh, a bodybuilding prep, right? A time of intentional deprivation for a very, very long time. You know, I'm now reverse dieting, but, you know, I catch myself sometimes thinking like, oh, do do I really need an untracked meal or like, should I just track my macros, right? And I'm like, Taylor, stop, you know, like those are, Mm -hmm. those like, those thoughts come up and they're triggered by, you know, just being in a, in a depleted state for a long time. However, mm-hmm. what I do not do anymore is, you know, I've been binge-free for, for years. I haven't binge or any of that because I've learned how to cope. I have found strategies to get me through it. But, you know, I think to some extent, like, you will have that voice in the back of your head pop up sometimes. And I think, you know, but now I've learned how to shut that voice up, essentially, you know, and, mm-hmm. and kind of focus on my long-term goals versus, like, a short-term satisfaction, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think that I think that that's a really good point to point out to people is that your triggers don't necessarily go away. I mean, they're part of who you are. They're part of your experiences. They they're there to protect you in a way. That's what that's what anxiety does is it, it alerts you to something going on that that's not quite right. And so they're there to protect you, but you can learn how to deal with them. And they're part of they're part of your history. Um, and so when you move through those and you start to learn how to deal with them, it's not like they go away, but you understand them better and you go, Oh, that's what that is. Yeah. I know how to deal with that. And it makes a huge difference. So. Awesome. Um, is there anything else that you have to say about anxiety? Maybe any like positives that come from it or, um, I don't know. Well, I mean, I think with anxiety, a lot, I would say the positive that comes from it is the, is the ability to become more aware of who you actually are and how your life experiences and all of the things that have happened to you, good or bad, kind of impact the way you view the world and how you're dealing with people. And the more you understand that, the more you understand how, you know, traumas that have happened in your past, good things that have happened in your past shape the way you interact with the world, 
the easier it is for you to like deal with that and, and bring down some of that anxiety because it allows you to, to really understand yourself and, and then it helps you to allow you to understand other people. So that, I think that that's kind of the core of what therapy is. And also anxiety is always a part of therapy. I don't, I don't think I've met with a client that doesn't have anxiety because we all have it and we're supposed to have it because it's a good thing to help protect ourselves. And just to be aware of when those triggers happen, how you're going to protect yourself with that. Right. Well, I love, uh, I feel like that's just a great ending spot and I don't want to, I don't want to touch it. You know, I, <laughs> I, ha- I have anxiety about saying something wrong now. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, this was super helpful. You know, I just think that, um, you know, mental health to me is so important and, and especially understanding why people, you know, act the way they do and just understanding I think that people who come to me for coaching really do struggle with disordered eating um, varying severity levels but disordered eating and and they get very frustrated when they don't overcome that within the first you know few weeks or few months and and so I think this is very very beneficial to learn that over time it is possible to to overcome acting out on those habits but like you said those triggers are part of you and they are part of your history and to some extent you will deal with that kind of forever right Um, Mm -hmm. but as long as you learn to cope and then uh, turn them into a positive I think that that is is kind of where we grow and and you know then we understand uh, we understand triggers and others and I always say you know we can't we can't control what trauma happens to us, but it is our responsibility to heal. And I really do believe that, you know, the more we heal ourselves, the more we can kind of pass that down to someone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know, like, if people want to do further reading, I know you posted about Body Keeps the Score. That's an awesome, awesome Oh, book. I love that book <laughs> Love so that much. book. Oh. Yes. It is such a good book, and it's a really good one if people want to do some reading and self-reflection and kind of get an idea on how trauma affects you. It's an awesome book to read. So Yeah, again, guys, The Body Keeps Score. Be prepared, though, to, like, really absorb. And if you have recently gone through any kind of traumatic event, you will likely feel very emotional. I know for me that yeah. book was very – heavy and I don't know how it was my bedtime reading for like months, <laughs> but it literally was and I it's one of those books that I highlighted so much in you know I mean I literally have pulled that book out multiple times and I'm just like oh my god like did I write this book like who wrote this for me um but you can relate no matter what you've gone through or even if you haven't mm-hmm. gone through anything that you know I think people identify trauma in a weird way too like people think that trauma has to be something that's like very big and it doesn't necessarily have to be everyone has gone through trauma to some extent and you may not realize how it's impacted you Mm -hmm. um but it's a yeah you're right it's a phenomenal read if you are looking for a book to better understand you or maybe you have a loved one that's gone through something and you struggle with you know helping them um I know for me um having gone through you know a few things myself it's almost like my close group of friends sometimes didn't know how to help right yeah um and so you know if you know anyone that has gone through something um that's very um it's very beneficial for that as well yeah and that's a good point about big t and little t trauma i mean we talk about that a lot too it's like you can have multiple little traumas over your life that can be just as impactful and just as damaging as one large trauma 
And so a lot of people discount that. But everybody's pain is pain, and it doesn't matter what size it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, where can we connect with you? <laughs> um, well, I work at Lifeology in Dallas, Texas. I work out of the Richardson office there. Um, you can find us um, at we fix, sorry, wefixbrains.com. Um, and you can also just um, send me an email if you wanted to at lharrison at wefixbrains.com if you want to touch base with me and we can see what we can do. Amazing. All right, Laura. Well, enjoy your vacation and the sun in Texas and <laughs> eat something good. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. All right. Well, thanks so much, Taylor. You're welcome. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Tailored Living Podcast. If you're looking for any nutrition, coaching, programming, or a combination, head over to tailoredtraining.com. You can always send me an email at trainwithtaylor at gmail.com. And of course, follow me on Instagram at taylorfit.com.